the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and as always, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for uh, your interactions with us for uh, taking the time to watch this series. And uh, my hope and prayers is that not only you benefited a great deal from it, but that you are sharing it also with others. Uh, we give you our permission, of course, to download it and even share it on your own platforms. I mean, make sure uh, you give credit at least to Dr. J and the uh, work and the research that he is uh, sharing with us uh, to our channel. But uh, we want you to know that this is for you to benefit from. And hopefully, if you're a Muslim, Take us up on the offer to go and inspect even anything we've shared. Don't take our words for it. Uh, these days, it is so easy to find resources to either collaborate or if you want to refute what we're saying, share it with us. Uh, give us a chance to respond to any claim that you perceive uh, to be a valid claim that could refute any of the data that we're sharing. Today, we're going to talk about uh, umpires. Uh, empires, at least in the region, in Arabian Peninsula, around that, and what do they say or tell about Mecca? With that in mind, I want to turn my attention now to Dr. J. Dr. J, what do empire civilizations tell us about Mecca? Well, that's a good question. That's another million-dollar question. This is another big gaping hole that we're going to bring up. We've been talking about uh, the standard Islamic narrative, the holes in the standard Islamic narrative uh, coined by Dr. Yasser Qadi back in 2020. June 8th. And of course, the big difficulty that all Muslims are facing and Yasakadi and everybody else concerning Mecca is proof for it. They need to find proof for it. And uh, because of the references, the enormous amount of references both in the Quran, also in the traditions uh, that refer to this place called Mecca. It was there at the time of Adam and Eve. It was there in chapter 21 at the time of Abraham. Uh, it was 1900 BC, so, and it was also according to the traditions, it's where Muhammad was born and grew up. It was where the Qibla was changed down to uh, in 624, so therefore all the mosques are fa supposedly facing there. We talked about that. Uh, we re referenced the difficulty with the whole reference after reference of the prophets, up to 300 prophets that are buried there, and yet we can't find even one of them. And so we're now going and we're saying, okay, these are plural problems. We've looked at the maps, couldn't find them on any maps at all. Uh, from the time of Ptolemy in the second century, we went to the trade route. We looked and saw what Patricia Crone did by debunking uh, the, 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 the trade route theory that uh, was, was introduced back in the last century by Montgomery Watt. And then we went and looked at the sea route theory and showing that the sea route theory only existed on the western side of the Red Sea on those five ports. 
So you can see the dilemma for Muslims. They've got to try to find some reference point that would show that Mecca did exist, and they are trying frantically to do so. Well, here comes another one, and that is the whole suggestion that if Mecca was there and it was that old and it had been around for that long and it had so much importance and it was controlling all the trade north, south, east, and west. That's what traditions tell us. That's what Muslims tell us. The standard Islamic narrative is very clear that from the north to the south, that means from Gaza down to Yemen, from Egypt all the way over to Syria and Jordan and Iran, all the way to India, all the trade had to go through Mecca. It was a center trade. That's why Muhammad was important. That's why Khadija, who is a trader, was important. So therefore, the trade route had to, uh, trade routes have to go through. If their trade routes are going through, they're going through empires. They're going through where people live. They're going through civilizations. So the next step we need to do in this search for reference to Mecca or its existence is to ask those peoples from these empires. But I don't want to talk about empires that are far away. I just want to look at the empires that are close by. All those empires that were surrounding what is today Mecca. Let's ask those empires what they know about this place called Mecca. Because certainly someone in those empires had trade with them. If you have trade, that means you have contact. If you have contact, that means you write down who you're trading with. You write down the name of the city. You write down the people who are living in that city. You write down references to, to what you sell goods. You have to have receipts. And in all those receipts, the name Mecca should be there since it's the center of all this trade, right? So let's go back to the slide and let's go look at a modern day uh, map of Mecca today. So this is a Google map and there you can see Mecca where the green star is. And let's ask this question. Was Mecca known? If Mecca was the oldest city in the history of mankind, then someone somewhere in the areas who are trading with it, surrounding it, should have heard of it, right? Let's look at those and let's ask those empires which were in that area. I'm not looking long way. I want to look at just the ones in that area. And so the first empire I'm going to put up is Saba. Saba, which is the Sabaeans down in the south. Saba, yeah. So they would have had trade because they would have gone through uh, Sana and Najran up to Taif, up to down to Mecca, up to Yathrib, because that's where the trade went. That's on the western plateau. Not one reference. Look at all the Sabaean documents up until the 7th and 8th century. No reference to Mecca. What about Himyar? Himyarites, which are just a little further south. That's where Aden is. Wouldn't they have had it? Since the trade would have started at Aden, they would have certainly had reference or uh, contact with Mecca. Not one word. Uh, well, let's go over to the east. What about the eastern Arabia? Eastern Arabia, they should have had some kind of trade. They should have known about this place. It's just right across the peninsula from them. Certainly, they would have known about Mecca. Not one word. Well, let's don't start by the east. Let's go even closer. Let's go to Western Arabia, where actually Mecca exists. Certainly, they would have had some reference to Mecca. They would have known about this place. Look at all the documents coming out of Western Arabia, out of Yathrib, out of Taif, out of Tabuk, out of Khaybar, and even down as far as Najran. So from Najran up to Khaybar, those cities, you know these cities, you've probably been to many of these cities yourself. They still exist today. Did they have any reference, any documentation? Not one Word. Let's go further north. Let's go up to the Nabataean area where the patriarchal period or where the patriarchs have. That's even earlier. So we're talking about way back in 1900 BC, 2000 BC. Did they have any reference to Mecca? If it, if this is where Abraham came from, is there any reference to Mecca in Abraham's day from the patriarch himself? Not one word. So, okay, well, what about the Himyarites, which are just up the coast away from here? They're coming more later. Is there any reference? Not 
one word. Well, let's go to the Assyrians, okay? The Assyrians, way up there in the north. They should have had some reference, any type of contact, not one contact whatsoever. And then we go to the Babylonians. The Babylonians, we know about the Babylonians. You can hear their references go all the way back to 4th and 5th and 6th century, all back, way back into the, what, the 6th and 7th century B.C. Certainly, they would have known uh, about the Mecca or anything to do that, nothing. Let's get something a little closer to home. What about Central Western Arabia, where Tema is? That, because Tema was on the, also a very important place. During the, that period, did they have any contact with Mecca? Not one word. And then we're going to go here to the Persian uh, period, the Persian area. So why, why, can we see any place there that has any reference to Mecca? Not one word. And then way up to the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, did they have any contact with Mecca? Not one word. No one had heard of any place called Mecca. Not one of them had heard of Mecca. Just look at that. I mean, just look at the panoply of red circles and also red uh, uh, rectangles. Certainly, someone somewhere should have known about Mecca. We can't find any reference. Not one of them had heard of Mecca. Let's just emphasize that point, proving that this is a real problem for Muslims. They've got to do something at this. Now, I've showed this to many people, and I've just said, I didn't go through all the step-by-step-by-step, just showing this map. What does that show you? What does that tell you when you look at that? Well, it shows a lot of civilization and empires uh, that surrounded the area where Mecca is. And it is definitely surprising that none of them even gave a hint of Mecca. None of them gave a hint of Mecca, proving that there is a real problem here. And I, I think for Muslims, and, and I, I'm talking to Muslims right now, if you're going to continue to suggest that this is the or oldest city in history. If you're going to continue to suggest that this is the history, this is the city that Adam and Eve were thrown down to out of the Garden of Eden. If you're going to continue to suggest that this is where Abraham uh, was there, going into the Kaaba, destroying the idols, and also throwing Hagar out of uh, Mecca, out into the desert. If you're going to suggest this all happened there in Mecca, you're going to have to start questioning these empires. You're going to have to start questioning these civilizations. Because they should have known about this place. Where are you going to go then to find your support? Because you always historically, you want to go to those outside of your own empire, outside of your own environment, to find support for your environment and for your empire, in this case, for your city. The fact that we can't find reference to it anywhere suggests to me that there just was no Mecca. Especially when you stop and think, according to the standard Islamic narrative, they control the trade. Khadija was a trader. Muhammad worked for her as a trader. Where did they trade to? All the way up as far as Gaza in the north. You have reference after reference going up to Gaza, coming back at the Battle of, uh, of uh, Badr. What, what, those uh, Medinans who were coming back, the Qurayshi tribe, where were they coming from? From Gaza in the north. They were coming back down to Mecca. If they were way up in Gaza, look where Gaza is, is way up in the Mediterranean, up where Jerusalem is. Right. If they were way up there and... That means everybody up in Gaza should have known about Mecca. Certainly, they would have spoken about it. Certainly, there would be receipts of their trade. Certainly, there would be documentation about this place called Mecca. Right. Not one word. Amen. Thank you so much. And by the way, folks, uh, when you watch this uh, video series, and especially this particular video, uh, certainly we are going to continue with our uh, basically uh, critical assessment of uh, uh, early Islamic history. Uh, and the standard Islamic narrative. Now, 
uh, uh, we are hopeful that by the time you get to this video that more actually uh, videos have been produced to continue this series because this series will take a, a large number of videos. This is number 21, uh, just to be specific here. But I am confident that, Lord willing, we will be able to continue before you even notice that you reach the end. But even if you did, we will produce more uh, along the, this line and we will add it to this particular series. So rest assured that we will be taking our time simply because we want to give you a very clear, easy, and precise tool for you to digest and be able to share it with others. Every video will serve at least one major point, making it very easy for everyone. Instead of being exposed to a large number of evidence all at once, like we're dumping it on you, uh, we are basically, basically putting it all together one by one for you. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. J. And until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and uh, I want to welcome you back to a continuation of this uh, series on the historical criticism of Islam, specifically early period of Islam. And today we're going to talk about uh, a very important pillar of the five pillars of Islam, and that's pilgrimage or Hajj. I mean, I grew up as a Muslim, uh, truly believing that a ritual like this is purely Islamic, only Islam. Uh, basically came up with these steps to be taken, uh, the uh, various aspects of such an important ritual that is required at least once in a lifetime of a Muslim. And in fact, uh, it's so important because uh, you're told that your sins will be forgiven. Now, there is a debate about which sins. Is it all of your sins? Is it only the minor sins? Or is it, is it only your sins for that year? But you always hear that when you do the pilgrimage in a pure way, with a pure heart, you can go back uh, as if you never sinned like a little infant, like a little baby. So you can see why it was important uh, for any of us uh, to take it very seriously and to strive as much as possible to go to Mecca and do all the stages for that important week of your life, not to mention the blood sacrifice to commemorate what Abraham was going to do with his son, and the list can go on and on and on. But the question is this, are these steps, is the ritual itself purely Islamic or was it borrowed? With me here to unpack this question is our dear brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., welcome back. Yeah, so, thank you. The Hajj, you know, th this was my perspective as a Muslim, but as a researcher, what do you have to say about that? Just like everything else we're fighting with Mecca, almost all the material that we see in Mecca has either been borrowed or has been uh, created uh, for that environment for, uh, with the thought of an, uh, another area or another category or another ritual. So uh, we would say with the Hajj. And this is material that Peter, you remember Peter Ellis, who is, uh, you used he, uh, when we were here in December. Yeah, when we had all of them together. He was there. Uh, this is his research along with Mel. Uh, they have really looked into this, and I found this was fascinating. They said, Jay, if you want to find out why all these different stages of the Hajj exist, 
you need look no further than go to Jerusalem, the Jerusalem thesis, which suddenly made sense. Now, before that, we'd heard Gibson talk about the fact that almost all these stages are also anteceded in Petra, which I have no doubt. But I would say before Petra, there was Jerusalem. All they did in Petra was to reproduce what they had come from, the Jews, when they were thrown out of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and they went into the diaspora. Many of them took their traditions with them, took their, took their rituals with them, and reproduced them wherever they uh, landed up, in this case, in Petra. The same case, you can say, with Mecca. But that's not what the standard Islamic narrative says. The standard Islamic narrative says that this is all there at the time of Abraham, uh, that right. these old practices is what Abraham did. That's correct. Uh, that he rebuilt the Kaaba and circumambulated around the Kaaba. So let's unpack these. I want to go to the slide and let's go through them one of the five different uh, 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 five different stages, but then I'm going to end with probably the most damaging. Look as we go, and this is something you brought up, and I thought was brilliant uh, when, uh, when we were doing this in December. You said, interestingly... Look at how many of these stages involve stones. Mm -hmm. So look at the stones as we go through right. and see why that is also important. So here we have the five stages. Let's start with the first one. And, of course, the first one is the Hajj itself. Uh, when you look at the Hajj, you've been there. You've I'm sorry. What did I say? The Kaaba. When you look at the Kaaba, what's the word Kaaba mean? Well, I mean, it, it really described that it's a cubical cube. shape. Kaaba, uh, cube, know, which is also yeah. Hebrew. Cube. It's the same word in Hebrew as it is in Arabic. Surprise, surprise. They're both Semitic languages. So the cube that you go there, what do you do? You go around seven times. Yes. Have you ever questioned why seven times? Uh, personally, no. But you were told that that's how it was done. Well, do you know where the number seven comes from? It's not unique to Islam at all. I it's mean, definitely now I know that the Bible always talks about seven as the number of completion. That's right. It's the complete number. Yeah. It's the holy number. It's the seven menorah. It's always the seven. And what direction do you go when you go and uh, do the... Uh, counterclockwise. The circumambulation is always counterclockwise. Yeah. In almost every other tradition, on every, every other religion, it's usually clockwise, except at the Hajj, counterclockwise. Why do you think it's counterclockwise seven times? To answer that question, you could first start with Petra, that's true, and that's what Dan Gibson said, but you really need to go back to the Dome of the Rock. Now, the Dome of the Rock was only built in 691. That's a, that's a big discussion that's going on right now between A.J. Deuce and Alexander, uh, Thomas Alexander, Alexander in our group. Uh, and, but nonetheless, that, push that aside. Where the Dome of the Rock sits is the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is where the Temple was. The Temple, had, the Holy of Holies, was a cube. The same cube, Kaaba, which is in Hebrew, was the original the original cube, original Kaaba, from which this has been derived. And which way did the Jews go around Counterclockwise. And how many times? Seven, Seven times. times. And why? Because that was what was demanded of them at Jericho. So it's following what happened in Jericho. Uh, there in 1400 BC was then reproduced in the temple there on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is where the Dome of the Rock is, but it is the Holy of Holies. It's the most holy place for Judaism, which is ironic that the Muslims control it now. And the Dome of the Rock is there now. But that, what before the Dome of the Rock was the Kaaba. Now that Kaaba, which was then reproduced, as Gibson pointed out, in Petra, got reproduced once again there in Mecca. So there you can see it. That's the first thing. What's the secondary? Let's take, and this one to me is exciting. When you finish doing the circumambulation, what do you do next? You go and uh, run between what we call the Safa and Marwa, also seven times. Seven times again, back and forth, back right. and forth. About how, how far are they between each other? 
Well, I mean, I'm just going to have to go by memory. Uh, I mean, it could be like maybe one and a half football field. So a few length. hundred yards. Yeah. It's not miles. No, 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 not at all. And, 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 and what is it you're running between? You run between, allegedly, two mountains. Mountains. Though they're not mountains when you okay. see them. They're just rocks and rocks. That's it. Well, why are they mountains? And what's the reasoning you run The reasoning is this, uh, at least the way we were brought up to believe, that uh, when Hagar made it there with Ishmael, Ishmael is a little baby. He, she ran out of water. She couldn't find water. And uh, basically, she was uh, really going up to this mountain, technically speaking, trying to see if she can spot any maybe... A water spring or a well or something, and she would see a mirage. So she gets excited and start running, and she gets disappointed and discover that there is nothing there. And then by the time she makes it to the other mountain, she goes up. She sees now the mirage on the other side, and she did that seven times. And then the idea is that the angel appeared to her and dug a well for her. So she's out in the desert. Abraham has thrown her out of Mecca because Abraham was living in Mecca, according to chapter 21. Uh, he was there and the, the rebuilt the Kaaba with Ishmael. He throws her out in Ishmael because this means after, because Ishmael's with him, right, when he's rebuilding the Kaaba. So this happens subsequent to that time. So he throws her out into the desert. How far is Safan Marwa from the Kaaba? Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, uh, uh, my goodness, if he threw her out just for a couple of yards, it's almost like your backyard. <laughs> it's just it's like right 30, there. 40, I mean, miles, you're just 40 yards of, away, right? Yeah, exactly. You if she's there. looking for water, why don't you just go and tap on someone's door and say, I need some water? That's assuming it was populated, right? <laughs> and she's going between two different mountains, right? So these are mountains. That means they're high, right? How high are these these rocks that you go back and forth? Not at all. I mean, uh, you won't even call them mountain. I mean, it's like a few boulders, and you can even just climb. The kids, children were the pictures. climbing I got them right there. Now, the reason why they fenced it, as you can see now, because kids were playing on They're it. They're only about up. 10, 15, maybe 20 feet high. Not even. These are rocks that you can climb on. There's no springs coming out of rocks that small. So obviously, this is a facsimile. This is a symbolism of a event. This is not the real Marwa and Safa. So where is the real Marwa in Safa? Well, take a look. Some uh, Gibson thought it was in Petra. No, it's actually in Jerusalem. It's Mount Moriah and Mount Scopus. Mount Moriah, if you put it into Arabic, Moriah is Marwa. There's the Marwa we're looking for. Scopus is across the Kidron Valley. You go down to the Kidron Valley, you come back up to Mount Scopus. Those are mountains. They're not rocks. They are mountains. Mount Scopus, Josephus talks about Mount Scopus, and in Arabic, the name he gives it is Safa. Safa. Yeah. So Marwa and Safa are Moriah and Scopus that we know today. Right out of Jerusalem, they've taken that, they've grabbed it from Jerusalem, and they've put it there and reproduced it there uh, in uh um, Mecca. I'm not going to talk about Arafat right now because we're running out of time, but Arafat is where uh, Adam and Eve were sent to. That is where they came down to Mecca. But I want to go to the Jamarats. Now, the Jamarats, you take how many stones? 49 or 72 stones, right? And you throw them at 49. What, what is the reason you throw them at the... Well, it's butters? done over the course of three days, uh, basically. I mean, the first day is important. Uh, and in fact, you can do all of them in, in the first day if you want to, but it's preferred to do it over the course of three days. Well, here is the most common story. Abraham was taking his son uh, to sacrifice him, obviously. Later, Muslim will say that was Ishmael. Regardless, Satan appears to him uh, during that three-day trip and uh, tried to do, persuade him not to do this. And uh, Abraham, because he's convinced that this is what God wants him to do, he will stone Satan, and Satan will leave him alone, come back the next day. So the three days represent that three, uh, the, the three days of stoning represent the three day of journey of Abraham. 
three days of journey. So that's the story you have been told. Right, and it comes from the Bible, isn't it? Well, hold it on. It was a, a three hold days on. thing. I mean, later you discovered that this is borrowed from the Bible, this three day I'm thing. I'm going to shut that completely down. We've run out of time for this series. I'm going to come back in the next episode and show you the problem of what you have just said, looking at the picture that we're looking at. But hold on to that, because that is so important. I understand. What I'm saying is, today you look at where they get this three day idea from. It wasn't in the Islamic book, the Quran. Hold on, hold on. You're jumping yeah. the gun on this again. I love it when you do that. But nonetheless, I want that to. I want people to hold on, come back again, because we're going to actually start from what he's saying and show you how the narrative, the last standard Islamic narrative, is being created and sure. recreated in our lifetime. This right, is because happening. in my lifetime, that's when the narrative switched into the three thing. Okay, so before then, it wasn't more. like don't that. Say anything more. Right. This is exciting because this proves that why this shows us we should not be surprised if it was being created during the Abbasid period. It's also happening even today, but that's for next time. So next time, are we going to continue, continue with the Hajj thing? Continue finish this off because we still have the Zamzam well okay. and we still have the Black Stone. Wonderful. So I hope everybody uh, is enjoying. By the way, we did do a more in-depth series on this. And even Jay did the same thing on his channel. So if you want to really know more about all of this, meaning the Jerusalem uh, thesis, and even maybe even the Petra thesis, you can watch it on his channel, my channel, or even Dan Gibson talked about the Petra thesis. So you do have enough information if you want to dig deeper, obviously, into this. But for now, we're giving you just a uh, on-the-surface kind of like approach to simplify it and help you utilize it as a tool in your dialogue. Until next time, have a blessed day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.